Hello, welcome to a special episode of the Dinner Sisters. I'm Tara, who normally does the cookbook reviews with Kate and Betsy. But today I'm joined by a special guest, Ann Saxelby, owner of Saxelby Cheese out of New York City and recent author of The New Rules of Cheese. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So let's go ahead and just get started. So tell me kind of at the beginning of your story with cheese um, and maybe even touch into uh, your experience in school. Yeah, with art school and then your transition into cheese. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of like as unlikely a cheese expert as they come. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, as, as just learned you did too, which is cool. Um, so I grew up outside of Chicago and then moved to New York city to go to art school. And, um, really when I was in New York, it was like such an eye opening experience for like a ton of reasons. But one of the main things was food, you know, for me, mm-hmm. growing up, you know, fancy cheese meant getting like the sliced white American cheese at the supermarket, you know, from the deli. Yes. yes. <laughs> as opposed to like the one that already came <laughs> from the package. Uh-huh. Um, so that was kind of like my experience with cheese. And then I moved to New York City and I uh, was visiting a friend in Italy, actually, who was doing her study abroad program. And she took me to the central market in Florence. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this is cheese. I was like, <laughs> awesome. I didn't know it could be like this. So, what, um, what, uh, do you mind if I ask what the type of cheese you try that open up your taste buds? I'm sure it's funny. I don't remember the exact one now, but I'm sure it was some variety of Pecorino because they make like a okay. million different kinds of Pecorino, which is just kind of like Pecorino just means um, sheep's milk. It's basically mm-hmm. sheep's milk cheese mm-hmm. in Italian, but they're like young ones and aged ones and ones that they wrap in chestnut leaves and ones oh that they soak in wine. And wow. Um, yeah. So it was like <laughs> something, something incredible along those lines. Um, and, uh, so that kind of like encouraged me to, or sparked my curiosity. And I started going to different cheese shops in the city, trying to taste my way through as many cheeses as I could and, and going to the farmer's markets to taste uh, the cheeses that were being made by the local cheesemakers there. And I met a farmer at the green market who has a dairy farm, still has a dairy farm and cheese making operation in Connecticut. And so when I graduated from college, I was like, well, here I am an art student. I have like zero job prospects, you know, no one's like <laughs> knocking down my door to offer me a, a job. So I um, asked the, the dairy farmer if they, if um, I could have an internship with them. And to my shock and surprise, they said yes, but they were like, we don't need you until the fall. So I went to work at a cheese shop um, called Murray's Cheese in Greenwich. Yes. Very uh, yeah. Which is now in my local Kroger's. Yes, they've like totally expanded. And yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, they were bought by Kroger's a couple of years ago, um, which is just like a pretty amazing thing for the yeah. artist cheese movement in general. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I kind of cut my teeth working behind the counter as a cheesemonger at Murray's, went to this farm and uh, made cheese. And it was there that I was just like, oh my gosh, like these people, like the artist, the American artisan cheese world kind of like came into focus. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like, how did you guys start making cheese? Cause the owners had been, you know, a social worker and an English teacher respectively. And like, they found their way to cheese and were making all this amazing stuff. They taught themselves. And the more I visited other local farms, it was kind of a similar tale of like, you know, people came to, to cheese making from all different walks of life. Mm-hmm. But the kind of uniting factor was they're making something delicious. They're farming sustainably. And, um, and they're just amazing, awesome 
people. And so when I opened my shop, I uh, I found this tiny little shop on the Lower East Side in the Essex Market. Um, and okay. We don't have that shop anymore, but um, it was so small. It was like a hundred square feet, literally. And I was like, okay, I've got this little tiny space, super cheap rent for New York. Let me try to just focus on American artisan cheese because at that time nobody was was really doing that. Everyone was doing more kind of an international kind mm-hmm. of smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of what I tried, and it's uh, you know we're celebrating our fifteenth anniversary this year. So that's amazing! Congratulations! Thanks. <laughs> so um, before we started recording, you had told me that um, you you all started at this uh, store. You said in Essex Essex Market, and then is that the same as Chelsea Market, or is that different? No, so our current retail okay. store, so currently we have two locations. We have our okay. Chelsea Market store, which is in Manhattan um, on the on the west side. Um, and then we have a warehouse in Brooklyn where we do wholesale to restaurants and other shops. And we also do all of our e-commerce and website order fulfillment in Brooklyn. So we closed that original Essex Market store, which was like so sad. It was like yeah. my, my baby, but <laughs> it just it didn't make sense to to have it anymore after a certain amount of time. So, um, all right, I mentioned briefly in our introduction about your book, which I have right here next to me, the handy little guy. <laughs> and and I will say it is a handy little guy. Like it's it's like the size of my my hand. So I don't know exactly how big it is, but it's a great book to have. It's really easy to read through. Um, I read through it while my kids were doing virtual learning um, <laughs> because I have to sit next to them to make sure the six-year-old stays on his call and the nine-year-old gets his work done and the 11-year-old makes all of his Zoom meetings. So while I was in between that, it this was great because um, in the book, you've broken it down with like the rules. And so it's not like chapters, but it's just like tidbits of information. So I honestly thought I knew quite a bit about cheese. And then I read this, and I was like, Oh, I didn't know anything. Um, so what made you decide to write the, the book? What was your decision and going from like opening this cheese store and then writing a book on cheese? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll say I feel the same way about cheese. I've been working in cheese now since 2003. So yeah, 17 years. And I feel like I'm still like, I thought I knew a lot about cheese, but whoa, Mm -hmm. there's still so much I don't know. And that's why to me, um, cheese is such like a fascinating and awesome and never ending kind of like quest for knowledge. Cause the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's like a cool, I don't know, something that I feel, uh, is, is one of the, the things that keeps my passion for it going. Um, but I decided to write the book. I mean, I always wanted to write a book about cheese, but I wasn't exactly sure, what shape it should take. Um, because I feel like there are a lot of like cheese encyclopedia type books out there. And there are a lot of kind of like memoir type books about like, this is how like I fell in love with cheese and I didn't really want to write that kind of a book. And, um, it was actually 10 speed press. Who's the publisher. They approached me because they were starting, uh, they were doing this new series of books called like the new rules. So they did the new rules Uh, of wine. Okay. Okay. Yeah, with this um, sommelier and author, John Benet in San Francisco. And they did the New Worlds of Coffee with these, um, oh. yeah, which is really fun and cool. Yeah. And they're all the same size. They're very tiny. They're meant to be these little guidebooks. 
And um, they were like, it's basically the idea is to do 50 short essays. And I loved like the, that format really appealed to me because I was like, okay, I always wanted to write a book that would be kind of useful and just Mm -hmm. like fun. And Mm -hmm. so that format, I was like, this is awesome. I can just kind of distill all these different things that I've learned about cheese and that I find really exciting and inspiring about it into like one or two pages each. And then yeah, it's, it's very digestible. Like I, I, I read it, I think over the course of like two weeks. So I was able to like sit down and read a couple rules at a time and like take some notes. So um, yeah, I love the way it was written. I love the format of the book. That's awesome. And I tried to tackle kind of like varying subjects from like everything from, you know, cheese doesn't make you fat to, uh, <laughs> you know, and like, and then kind of more nutrition and kind of like science based to like how cheese is made, just kind of the basics to um, how you should buy cheese and store cheese and cook with right. it. Um, so I've tried to kind of hit all those bases. So I know you talk about it in your book, but for some of the listeners, what is like one of the key things when you go to the grocery store and now we're lucky enough that we have a whole variety of cheeses to choose from. Like, you know, what do we look for for those of us who maybe don't, I, maybe this is a twofold question, but like, what should we look for those of us who don't live near like a big city or a big town or whatever, when we're looking for really good cheese, what should we look for? I guess. Yeah. Well, there are certain, I feel like all gross, like the bigger grocery chains have all been really upping their game in like the specialty cheese department because the interest is there. And so they uh-huh. want to provide customers with like, you know, exciting new options. So um, of course, if you live in a place where there's an, a small independent cheese shop where they cut cheese to order, it's always worth seeking that place out because um, the people who work there are going to be like total nerds in like yes. the best possible yes. way. And yes. they like, want <laughs> to help you and they want to teach you and they want to, uh-huh. you know, kind of bring you along to say, you go in and might say, you know, oh, I know I like cheddar or I know I like mozzarella or whatever it is. And they could say, yes. okay. And then kind of help you um, almost like a, like a little cheese Sherpa or a guide. Yes. <laughs> um, so if you have an independent cheese shop or a farmer's market, same thing um, mm-hmm. in your area, that's awesome. Um, if you don't, um, I feel like, you know, Whole Foods has like an amazing cheese specialty cheese department, Kroger, like you mentioned in mm-hmm. your woods, uh, Wegmans, which is kind of here in the Northeast. Right. Um, but yeah, a whole a whole slew of uh, of places have really dedicated cheese departments. But even if even if you're not at a place that kind of does cheese as a specialty, I feel like the kind of main categories that you should be able to find everywhere. If you wanted to like put together a cheese plate at any supermarket, I would choose something like a fresh goat cheese, mm-hmm. something with a rind like a like a brie style cheese um and most supermarkets will have some equivalent of like brie or camembert um some kind of a gouda um maybe an aged gouda which those tend to be a little um kind of sweeter and more crystallized and if you've never had aged gouda it's really like Mm eye-opening delicious um parmigiano reggiano you're going to find that pretty much everywhere and not parmesan with an s yes parmigiano reggiano like the real mccoy from italy (laughs) Um, that is like a cheese that I could just eat every day, every, you know, well, year. And, and to be honest, growing up our like you were saying, the Parmesan that we had was like in a can. Yeah, it was the craft. The yes, yes. And I actually used to eat it with a spoon. 
Like <laughs> I would sneak into the kitchen and dig it out because I love the taste, but then I had the real stuff. And then I realized, oh, there's a difference. This is this is different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um so I, I totally agree. Once you have like the real stuff, you're like, oh, that's like an eye opening thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Maybe to round it out, like a blue cheese, I would yeah. say most supermarkets would have some sort of a blue cheese. Um, and maybe like a manchego. I feel like manchego has become kind of ubiquitous in America, which is which is fun and great because manchego mm-hmm. it's a sheep's milk cheese. Um, most of the other ones that I mentioned, aside from the fresh chev, which is a goat, are, are right. cow. Um, so it's nice to kind of mix it up that way. But I think if you just go to your supermarket and buy five different cheeses, different looks, different textures, mm-hmm. different styles, mm-hmm. and go home and set up a little cheese board, that's like a perfect way to start tasting and educating yourself. And a really healthy thing, too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Cheese is like full of, full of protein. And of course, there's a lot of fat in it, too. But um, it's, it tends to be like, you know, the quote unquote good fat that people mm-hmm. are talking about more and more. And I like how you broke that down in your book as well. Like you actually went through the nutritional value of cheese and why cheese doesn't make you fat. Like that whole myth, um, you, you you talk about that in your book. Yeah, I okay. feel like, you know, the cheese, you know, it's, and it's funny because I, you know, I we watch, we watch like, it's funny, my, I have three kids too. They're eight, six, and two. And so um, we watch like a lot of Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know, mm-hmm. in our house or whenever mm-hmm. the regular TV is on, like, you know, like, you know, without fail, we'll see the Domino's like triple stuff, crust pizza, uh, you know, and I'm like, yes. that's making people fat. Like yes. you know, that, that, yes. that dough is full of sugar. And then there's the fake, you know, fake cheese in there. Right, right. Most, um, most mozzarella is actually not made in like the true Italian fashion. It's not, it's not fermented. Mm-hmm. And so technically it's like not even really cheese. It's just milk that's been tricked into acidifying and coagulating into this like meltable form. But in terms of how it tastes and how more importantly, how you digest it, it's not, um, it's not the same as cheese. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. But I feel <laughs> no, like- no, it's okay. Cause I, I learned about that as well after reading your book, um, about how like the whole, like how cheese melts and why does it melt? And that was really fascinating as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, end of the day, I feel like cheese is a really, really healthy snack. And, and I guess the main part of like the cheese doesn't make you fat thing is just that, um, if you eat a little bit of really good cheese, say like mm-hmm. one or two ounces as a snack, you're going to feel really full and like mm-hmm. ounce per ounce, it's like just packed with protein and good nutrition. So it's not like you're going to sit down and eat like a pound of cheese because no. you would totally like die. Well, sometimes, you know, I can... <laughs> It's true. I've, I've been known to, I feel like my own personal record is like eight ounces of cheese in a sitting, which was probably a mistake, but you know. <laughs> uh, well, tell me what cheese you're really into right now that you want us to all know about. Ooh, well, at this time of year, there's a seasonal cheese from Jasper Hill Farm called Winamere. Okay. That just made I'm making it. notes on yeah. that. I got to go to the grocery store tomorrow. Yeah, if you can find it, it's um it's spelled W I N N I M E R E, and it's made by Jasper Hill Farm, which is up in Vermont, and it's like a, a thirteen ounce, so it's kind of a bigger wheel of cheese, uh, raw cow's milk, and it's wrapped in bark. It's wrapped in spruce bark that they harvest um, right near the farm. They peel off like the hard outer layer of bark of the tree, 
And then they harvest what's called the cambium layer. It's like the soft kind of flexible inner bark. Okay. And they will boil that to sanitize it. And then they wrap a strip of it around each wheel. And what it does is it kind of acts like a girdle to like keep the cheese from like oozing out because it's really like gooey and almost kind of like spoonable in texture. But it also imparts this like incredible flavor that's like a little bit mustardy, a little bit like juniper, a little bit like it gives it kind of a smoked meat or kind of like bacony flavor. And um, so it's like a soft, spreadable cheese. You can literally just dig in with a spoon or a butter knife and like smear it on bread. And it's like uh-huh. just the right amount of funky. It definitely has like a touch of funk to it because they wash the rind with a with a salt brine as it's aging. Uh-huh. Um, but it's uh, it, it's not overpoweringly funky, and it's just okay. it's delightful. Well, that sounds delicious um, because I like a little funk in my cheese. So that sounds really good. Um, so, what would you say for someone who maybe doesn't like some funk in their cheese and they're brand new to like the cheese world? And, you know, say they'd come into your shop or whatever, and they're like, okay, what do I need to start with? Like, I'm a cheese newbie. So what do I start with? Yeah, I would say probably something like, you know, I was mentioning kind of like the greatest hit to the supermarket before, probably something like a Manchego style, because I feel like most people can get down with that kind of a flavor. And having it be, uh, you know, sheep's milk makes it just just different enough from like Mm -hmm. regular, um, you know, cheeses that people might have more experience with like cheddar or something like that or like a Gouda style, because I feel like an aged Gouda is like a very rich kind of powerful Mm -hmm. flavor profile, but it's something that pretty much everybody can get behind. Well, and I love the texture. Like I find that cheddar sometimes with the, the crystals that are in it. Like I love that texture of cheese. Yeah, exactly. There's something kind of irresistible about those like crystally crunchy bits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, we're going to kind of end our, our interview here, but I have a, just a couple more questions for you. Um, the last one being, and this is a big topic I understand. So like, what is like one or two takeaways from like how we can be better cheese consumers in general? Oh yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great question. I think, okay, so being better cheese consumers, um, I think first of all, you know, seeking out small independent retailers, like I talked about before, um, because you're supporting that small business, but then they are in turn supporting many other small businesses, these small farms that like need, you know, um, need our support to, to keep going. So if you can support small, small retailers, that's awesome. Um, if you can buy cheese, well, or farmer's markets too, same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can buy cheese that is um, certified organic or certified grass fed, um, that's also really good. Um, organic certification basically means that there are no kind of um, pesticides or um, chemicals of any kind um, that go onto the land um, where the mm-hmm. cows, the sheep, or goats graze. So that's super important um, because that's just a you know that's a huge uh, huge problem. Kind of all the that's associated with like industrial farming is like, where, where do these chemicals go? What do they do to us, to our water supply? Um, so organic is good. Grass fed is awesome. Um, because then you're also ensuring that, um, those animals are out on pasture, um, getting exercise, getting sunshine, Mm -hmm. eating the food that they were designed to digest. So cheese is made from the milk of ruminants. So ruminants are 
cows, goats, sheep, they're animals that are meant to digest grass. And when you keep those animals um, in confinement, and usually it's mostly done with cows, but with big dairy operations, these cows will be in inside in barns and they're often eating grain um, or what's called TMR, which is total mixed ration, which is a blend of kind of different grains and starches. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like a cow power bar or something. Mm-hmm. But it's not ideal for their systems because their cows, you know, they're called ruminants because they ruminate and mm-hmm. their rumen is actually, they have, four, they have four stomachs and their rumen is the first and biggest of those stomachs. And it's basically a giant fermentation tank. And if you put stuff in there that like grain or things like that, that are kind of going to mess with the acidity level of the rumen, the animal's health also suffers. Um, so when the cows and goats and sheep are eating grass, you know that they are going to be healthier and the milk that they produce is also healthier. Like the fats and the cholesterol from grass-fed milk are all like exponentially more beneficial to human health than the fats and cholesterols that are coming from animals that are eating these other kinds of, um, you know, foods that are kind of, uh, you know, uh, the, the total mixed ration and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, organic grass-fed um, support small. Um, and there are some big companies doing it right. Like organic Valley. I'm a huge fan of organic Valley products. Um, they really, you know, put their money where their mouth is and and support kind of everything that we just talked about. Oh, interesting. Well, and that's also good for, um, those, uh, some of our listeners don't live near big cities. And so they, you know, hopefully can go to a grocery store and find like organic Valley, uh, products and their stores that they can support. So. Yeah. And, and I think that that can also, like everything you just said is really fascinating. And I know like that's a huge topic, but for those of us who, you know, I mean, that's some of the stuff that I learned in the book after reading is just like all the science behind why eating organic grass fed, um, you know, finding those labels on the cheese is so much better for you. It is more expensive. And you actually, that was another thing that was so interesting. You actually break that down in the book, like why, why it's okay to like pay more or like what you're actually paying for when you purchase like good quality cheese. Um, My friend Lydia, who has a cheese shop in LA, it was really funny. She was like, cheese is not expensive. She's like, you know, buying like a fancy like handbag is expensive. She's like, cheese might cost a lot of money, but yeah. not expensive. And I liked that designation because yeah, it does. If you're going to buy good quality cheese or meat, um, you know, it is going to cost a little bit more, but I think the mm-hmm. argument is that it costs more because of the way that it's, uh, the way that it's produced. And also because, you know, in, in honesty, we're not meant to eat a lot of that stuff you know, like uh-huh. it's kind of like our diet should really be more kind of plant and grain, plant and grain based. And then having these other things, you know, in smaller amounts, but the good version of those is mm-hmm. really the best way to go. That mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's definitely a really good point. And I think people are becoming more attuned to that. Not everybody, but I think we're, as we gain more and more knowledge, I think people are trying to eat more responsibly um, whether it's with their eggs or their milk or, you know, with the meat that they're buying. Um, and I would say too, if I can add one more thing, I feel sure. like it's actually really interesting because right before the COVID-19 pandemic happened, I feel like there was a little bit of a backlash about dairy in particular, kind of being like, you know, dairy is killing the planet. Dairy is mm-hmm. bad. 
And mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if you saw the Oscars last year, but Joaquin Phoenix made this like crazy off the wall, like acceptance speech. And in it, in it, he included like how dairy was terrible and like mother cows, like were separated from their babies. And it was like this traumatic thing. And I was like, dude, I'm like, have you ever been on a dairy farm? <laughs> I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And so at the at, like end of the day, Yes, we do not want to support industrial agriculture. We don't want to support cow dairies that are in the desert on the West Coast that are having thousands of cows in confinement and just churning out milk. That's mm-hmm. not good. That's not good. Mm-hmm. That creates like mm-hmm. a whole host of problems for um, the environment and for ourselves and for those animals. But we do want to support small-scale grass-based dairy because that actually builds, uh, it's good for the environment. It builds topsoil. It's good for the animals. It's good for rural economies and it's good for us, you know, so yeah, it's a yeah. virtuous cycle. So, you know, I, I just want, I want to put that out there because I think that's super important because people who want to be kind of um, ecologically responsible with their eating might say, okay, I'm not going to eat cheese, but I don't think you have to deny yourself cheese because there are, you know, good, um, you know, right. virtuous versions of that. Yes. Well, and it's so delicious. I don't understand how you can deprive yourself of that. I've even, thanks. Um, I, I got a chance to order some cheese from you. Uh, I don't know, fall ish. And my nine-year-old son now has been converted to blue cheese. So, um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, anyway, last question I have for you. Um, what is the best cheese when you are making grilled cheese? What is, what is the best? Cause you know, we want that gooiness factor. So like, what would you recommend um, for a grilled cheese sandwich? What is the best kind of cheese? I actually if I give a complicated response. I actually would okay. a blend. So I think cheddar is everyone's go-to for grilled cheese, but um, right. it actually doesn't melt the best because it's so acidic that it can kind of separate a little bit and sometimes get a little oily. So my ideal blend for grilled cheese is actually to mix cheddar with like an Alpine style cheese. And by Alpine style, I mean something that kind of mimics what's made in the Alps in Europe. So something that's kind of like a Gruyere or a Comte. Um, Mm. Those cheeses are really rich and delicious and they melt extremely well. Isn't that what they use in like fondue? Yes, that's what they use in fondue. Exactly, exactly. So if you can mix those two, I feel like you get like the perfect balance of flavor and meltability. Oh, interesting. Well, and I should also mention that you have a couple recipes in your book, very like simple, straightforward recipes to do with like either the nubbins of cheese you have left in your drawer. Um, I think there was like a, uh, like maybe a beer cheese. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah. Yeah, A beer cheese recipe. Um, anyway, last thing, where can people find, find you? Oh, sure. Yeah, they can find, um, they can find Saxelby Cheesemongers online. Um, it's just saxelbycheese.com. And, um, yeah, we do ship all across the country. So if anyone wants to, you know, buy cheese and have it sent to their house, we can do that. Um, and if you're in New York, you can visit our retail shop, which is in the Chelsea market on the corner of, uh, 9th Avenue and 15th street. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in today and we'll see you next time on the Dinner Sisters. 